When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. All right, dear listeners, after the last series where we talked about the horrors of the Irish famine, we thought maybe time for a little bit of a, a palate cleanser. Let's do something fun. <laughs> Let's do something a little bit fun. <laughs> and we thought, fun. we thought, you know what? We'll talk about a horror movie we just uh, watched, or I watched recently, Maria's watched before, called Nope. Yeah, well, and I, I was like, it's been a hot minute since we've talked about UFOs. It really has been sort of, you know, like there hasn't been there hasn't been any tirades or any, you know, communiques or thought pieces coming out of us about the uh, UFO and the UFO community. So I I figured we we needed to get back to the roots. Gotta get back to our roots. Gotta get back to our roots. Give the people what they want. What? It's going to be so good. I'm so excited. So listeners, if you didn't listen to the end of the last episode, we are going to start doing a thing where basically... In between full episodes, which take a lot of planning, a lot of research, a lot of editing, all that kind of stuff. We want to still do stuff like weekly. We used to release weekly. COVID happened. That all changed. We want to get back to weekly releases. We figure maybe a better way to do that, a nicer way to do that. We'll do interviews with other people. We'll do cool stories, stuff that doesn't fit into like full episodes necessarily. But we think it's still a lot of fun. So we hope you enjoy these uh, biweekly episodes. And uh, the first one here, yeah, is going to be on Nope, the film by Jordan Peele. Jake, roll the tape. Also, we should say if if you have not seen it, we will be spoiling it. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. heavily here. Yeah, definitely. So. Yeah. I would recommend seeing it. I'd recommend seeing it, if at all possible, on the biggest screen you can in a theater, if you are comfortable doing so, because it's really good. 
It is really good. It's pretty. It's so good. I thought it was so good. People well, I, online yeah. do not like it. It's a lot of them. But oh, it's really? so good. Yeah. They don't. So I'm a big Jordan Peele fan. I was a fan of his stand up stuff. I loved I loved the movie Keanu. Mm, yep. Sure. I thought that was hysterical. And the kitten is, you know, it's just like, again, it's just, uh, you know, I, I loved it. I loved Get Out, loved Us. You know, any kind of a, when a Twilight Zone, when he's doing a turn to horror, it's just like, oh, my God, it's it's so much fun and it's so different. And I think one of my one of my favorite things that I've learned about him was that he went to Sarah Lawrence. Right. So this <laughs> small kind of, uh, you know, I think it's upstate New York. Right. Sarah Lawrence. I think so. Something like upstate that. Yeah. Liberal arts you know school where he majored in puppetry so good i mean if you want to talk about the one major that would freak any parent out right you're putting down how much money to go to some liberal arts college to begin with and then your kid comes back and you're like okay well what are you going to study is it going to be like maybe maybe it's an economics program and they're still going to squeeze a you know, mba out of this or ooh, maybe we still have a shot at a law degree and they're like puppetry and you're like, oh, shit. It's weird. A little weird. But it's awesome, yeah. right? Because it's like, basically, it's this really great, I, again, really create creative degree. He did not ultimately graduate, I don't believe, from Sarah Lawrence. But I like to think that he took all the stuff he learned in comedy and comedy timing and went and became like this horror maestro for our generation like to me his timing and his his uh take on horror and sort of it just uh you can just tell it's one of his films right mm. it just has a distinct to me it has a real distinct feel and a real distinct kind of timing and kind of cadence to it that is is really different that i am starting to associate more with him and his work now, so, and it's a UFO, right? It's a UFO film. It is. Which it is, is a UFO film. Which is great. So, which is great. So, so, yeah, go ahead. No, so the so the plot of the movie, if you watch mm -hmm. any of the marketing and stuff, it looks like it's just a straight UFO movie. Mm -hmm. But it's not. Right? It's not. In fact, it uses one of the most interesting UFO theories out there, which is that UFOs themselves are physical creatures like that. It's not a ship that is an animal. It's an animal. Right? The UFO itself is an animal, which just, you know, so maybe that maybe that has a lot more scuttlebutt in your community at large, <laughs> you know, and recently. But when when they did that reveal, I was like, oh, come on, that's good. I thought it was that's really good. No, good. it is. It is really good. Well, so the other thing. So the, the movie. OK, so synopsis of the movie or the general synopsis here yeah yep. you got otis oj haywood jr uh -huh. and otis haywood jr who is this father figure the father of otis oj uh -huh. and his sister emerald m haywood yeah uh -huh. they own a ranch and the ranch is basically makes it, it creates horses for creates it raises horses and then rents them out for movies and things yeah. It's like a Hollywood stunt ranch for the horses. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
And the Haywoods come from their great, great, great grandfather, who was the first person ever in a film, which is this uh, like a penny arcade film of a black man on a horse. Right. The jockey. Right. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. And is it is it is it called the jockey? Marie? I th- uh, I think it might be. It is a famous piece of film. It is. It is. A, it is a real. Yes, it is a real yeah. famous memorabilia cinema cinema history history. right it's the first it's the first visual image captured on film or one of them the first moving right absolutely so the story so it starts with kind of these uh it actually starts with a a scene where a (laughs) he he, chimpanzee is murdering a bunch of people on a film set and you're like what is happening here this is crazy yeah yeah what's happening yeah yeah, and like, particularly this yeah. isn't about UFO. Yeah, and particularly it shows a girl, like a little girl, is being beaten to get beaten to death by this chimp, and her shoe stands up on its end. Yeah, like inexplicably stands up on its end. Yeah, yeah. I mean the violence, sort of the carnage, and you don't really see a lot because it's from the point of view of someone watching from under a table. Yes, right. So you're hearing about this. You know, again, this wild animal that was being used as sort of a, a prop on a TV show, you know, loses its, you know, its civility. Right? Yeah. It's a wild animal and it attacks, it attacks all these people. And so it's, you, you're hearing most of it. And it's, it is pretty like, to me, I was pretty freaked out by that. I was like, okay, this is, this is kind of crazy. And then it's focused on, the visual is just focused on this one shoe sitting upright. In this really unnatural position with just like one drop of blood on it, which again, it's just like this weird sort of anomaly to start a film that you are assuming is going to be about UFOs with something that is so like, like doesn't have anything. You get that point. You're just like, what? This has nothing to do with it. As far as you can tell, it has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. And so then um, the guy, OJ and his dad are sitting on the dad sitting on a horse they're talking mm-hmm. and suddenly there's like kind of a weird like disturbance and OJ turns around and his dad is dead. His dad has had a nickel shot into his brain. Yeah. From above. From right? above. He's looking and around so, and you can yeah. see that there's different like metal things hitting the ground and there was a key that got embedded into the wood of the staircase. And a bunch of horses they have are, are gone. Right. They have horses on a run or a walk or whatever they call that. And and they're gone. Yes. And so then what eventually you find out is the thing that took the horses is this UFO that OJ sees on the land and him and his sister decide we are going to try to get a shot of this UFO. Yeah, because basically, I mean, they're running a ranch a failing a failing a ranch. failing ranch they are not um you know it's almost like it's almost like they're an anomaly within a sort of the western field to begin with you know so but if you need a horse they if, you know that they they can be taken to the, the film sets but even that it's like you know cg is basically taking over know, taking yeah. all of that away from them so they've got to do something they want to keep the ranch. And so they decide, hey, what if we get this thing on film? Whatever this is, what if we get it on film? And what it turns out has so they, they keep trying and stuff 
bad stuff keeps happening, right? It doesn't, but, doesn't work. But we're missing one of my absolute favorite parts of this movie that I have tweeted about. It to get the stuff that they are going to use, to buy all the stuff that they are going to use to get this thing on film, they go to probably the best, absolute best, now defunct, bankrupt electronic store known to the human kind, Fry's Electronics. Which I had not heard about until you were like, this is a real place, it's awesome. Oh my God. So I'm just going to just take a quick moment and talk a little bit about fries because fries is insane. <laughs> it was again, like these huge stores that have that they were called fries electronics and each one of them were branded slightly differently. So there's one, I think it's in uh, Woodland Hills that is sort of like Alice in Wonderland themed. And so you go in and there's like, there's the caterpillar sitting on the mushroom, you know, and it's like oversized sculpture of it. Right. The one that they used for this was in Burbank. And I've actually been to it and they used it. They've used, I think, the one in Burbank a few different times. I think they used it in Mr. Robot as well. And it, the theme of it is outer space. So there is a, a saucer, a flying saucer that has crashed in front of the Fry's Electronics. Now, maybe you're thinking to yourself, why, why is theming important to Fry's Electronics? It's not. It's just what they decided to do. It's just so kind of a weird thing. huge stores. And the, the thing is, is it's like if you were an engineer or if you were a computer geek or they had all these individual components, like rows and rows of individual components. But then if you were like, hey, you know what? I should pick up a calendar. They had rows and rows of like kitty and puppy calendars. And then you're like, oh, man, you know what? I could use some um, I could use a snack. Most of them had cafes. Like, it was insane the amount of offerings that they had at Fry's Electronics. And it felt like when you went in there, at least towards the end, that you're going into this sort of Soviet era, like, almost like a gulag. Like, it's just really quiet. It's really dark. Everyone who works there is just really like, welcome to Fry's Electronics. Can I help you? <laughs> it's funny, right? Because I think one of the big themes about I think one of the big themes about this movie, right, is like mm -hmm. exploitation, right? It's it's, yes. it's, explo it's exploitation of animals, exploitation of tragedy, exploitation of uh, the unknown, the religious. Like it's it's yep. a movie about if, if this movie has any theme it, to me, it is exploitation. And yes, you find that I think Fry's Electronics honestly kind of fits that, too. Right. It's this like. They're exploiting these like weird things or, you know, it's just spectacle, right? It's just weird. Like, it's just, you know, you go into a store, like what's the difference between Fry's Electronics and like Walmart down the road? Well, Fry's Electronics has got a giant Roman statue out front for some reason. You know what I mean? Like, it's, there's no reason for it. It's just, it's, it's different. Right? It's just different for the sake of being different. It's, it's different. And it's like, but it was this, it was really an uh, anomaly. And listeners, if you've yeah. been into a Fry's Electronics, you know that because it's like, they had perfume, they had toys, they had Game Boys, they had like all this huge gamut of stuff, so much so that you just really didn't know what you wanted when you got in there. Like yeah. if all you were doing was going in there to get some sort of a battery or something like that, right? You just walk in and it was almost like you were on drugs because you were just like, what, where are we? Right, what Maybe else I'll am I just getting? get myself a, a Reuben sandwich at the cafe, <laughs> right? Which is crazy. Like, why do they have a cafe 
an electronics store. So it's just, it's this really perfect callback because they did go bankrupt um, and they closed all of the stores. But it's this perfect kind of, it's pretty uh, cool. yeah. yeah, this callback moment to something that doesn't make a lot of sense, except to maybe a certain group of people. And you can see Jordan Peele kind of geeking out, like people really on his, you know, that worked on this movie, clearly have this affinity for it and geeked out about it. And they're walking through there, right? When they're picking up the stuff. And this is when they meet Angel, who inevitably will set up the stuff. You know, and they're eating the Twizzlers, right? They're starting to go through the candy aisle and they're eating the Twizzlers. And they're talking about what they're going to need to to get this, to get this whatever it is on film. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's it's just, it, it, it captures the feeling of being in like a big store like that too, right? Which is so cool. Yes. So we are then introduced to Jupe kid who was in the the chimpanzee show called Gordy's Home right who witnessed and whose whose eyes were looking through when we see the beating and the murder happen mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so he is a child actor who was on the show Gordy's Home after being in a show about like a western kind of kid show whatever and um or a kid's movie i guess and gordy's home was this like super successful sitcom at the time that had this chimpanzee actor and during a scene where they're shooting for gordy's birthday balloons go off and gordy freaks out and like rips the face off of his young co-star not jupe this girl that's there right and then jupe goes and runs and hides underneath a table and an actor comes down and is like, whoa, Gordy, like, stop it. What are you doing? And Gordy murders that guy, too. Right. 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 And then comes over to Jupe and tries to give him like a fist bump because that's like their signature thing is they do an exploding fist bump. And he goes to try to do it. And then they shoot the they shoot Gordy in the head. I know. You know, to kill him. It and is, yeah. Yeah. Which is a crazy. That's like probably the scariest scene in the movie, I would say. And I then it was. Yeah. Because, again, most of you're hearing it. You're hearing it. Most and so of we're it. we're told about yeah, the, the noises of Gordy like eating the girl's face. Pretty rough. No, well, pretty rough. Screaming and calling him by by not his real name. Like the the fact yeah. that you know you're 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 still using this fictitious name, Gordy, for this animal, right? Yeah. It's so it's just yeah, it's yeah. and how you learn about this is it's being told in a in a kind of like a flashback by jupe present day yeah he like he so he explains to the haywoods right the sister and the brother Mm -hmm. that he like charges money for people to like see the memorabilia from the show and he's got the shoe still standing upright in his room like you know he turns this like really horrible experience basically into the career for the rest of his life he becomes like you know the guy who was on gordy's home yeah. Right, you saw the chimpanzee eat the girl's face and like even brings her to the park to like bring yeah. her out in front of people. Right. So, again, exploitation. Right. Yeah. Well, it's just it, what's so weird about. So it, it, why is he he's out in the desert he, there? He runs sort of this theme park, this this terrible Western theme park called Jupiter's Claim. Right. Which yes. is where, you know, the the Haywoods are. Selling their horses, um, selling their horses to him for reasons that he doesn't understand. And it's so like, you know, OJ is like, I'm going to I'm going to try and buy the horses back, you know, which is just heartbreaking in, in another way. But yeah, so you have this guy who basically, 
you can tell when he's recalling this stuff is still like seriously traumatized by this event that happened to him as a child as well. He should be, but is hasn't processed it. Like that was one of the things that I thought was kind of the most interesting parts of that movie is like, you've got this guy who has, you know, like this, like you said, a secret stash of, you know, that people can come and look at it and he charges him for it. And he's kind of laughing it mm. off. Like, Oh, it was really funny when Chris Kattan, you know, was played Gordy for the, you know, Saturday night oh, Live an skit. skit about the murder of these people. About the yeah. murder, you know, and you're just sort of like, Oh, and it's, yeah. it's Steve Yoon who plays, who plays, um, who plays Jupiter, Jupiter yeah. who was in the walking dead, who's Glenn, right. in walking dead. So he's a great actor. And you just kind of feel like this, 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 weird tension or this weird i don't know like not artificiality but like this dude's not well <laughs> no he's clearly again well what's you know, you know it's it, it's interesting because he like he shows such hubris throughout the movie like everyone shows hubris throughout the movie right it's all that's the other thing i think that's so nice or not nice but the thing that i really kind of felt watching it was like because one thing you get when you watch these shows about like, you know, Skinwalker Ranch or any of these other things, right? Mm -hmm. The thing that I always feel is like, you think, supposedly legitimately you think, that this ranch is a portal to extraterrestrial or extra-dimensional intelligences who seem to have the powers of like angels at the very least and God at the, at the highest levels. Yeah. And you're plan for this location is to turn it into a television show yeah right like the hubris of yeah. that the yeah. um the exploitation of that right it's right. like it's like you know yeah. you you have a a statue of the virgin mary that's crying blood and you decide to bottle the blood and sell it right Kind of so like you're messing with something you should not be messing. Yeah. With. And it's just just like yeah. it's just gross. It seems like such a. Um, if you really believe it's true, it seems like such a again, like a, a gross thing to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and in the movie, what ends up kind of happening is so. So OJ and M, his sister, are working with Angel now to try to get a shot of the UFO. Right. And Angel was the guy who from from Fry's Electronics, from Fry's right? Electronics who's, who's into ancient like aliens the squad. And, yeah. Yeah, he's like super aliens. It was so funny. It and was, I thought that and was just funny. Stephen Yoon comes over and says, like, hey, I'm inviting you guys to this like special event we're doing on the ranch. And it turns out the special event is Jupe is going to call the UFO down to eat a horse. I don't know if he knows that they're being eaten. To take them, to take the takes horse. them up. So basically, yeah, he exactly. Yeah, he doesn't know what's happening, but it's like, right? He, yeah, right. he's he, going to, the, he's going to have the UFO perform for them. And again, you're like, dude, this already happened with the chimp. Don't right. do it again, right? right? Learn your lesson, goddamn right. it! Like you can't control these things. And I think and, the the one the the one person who I feel like had learned their lesson at the very beginning of this was OJ, right? Yeah, again, absolutely. He's he's who is um who is Daniel Kaluuya's character who is who's the now owns this ranch after after he saw this weird thing happen to his dad and he's still trying to process it and process what happened to it. But he kind of has his basic rules in place like you don't look at an animal in the eyes. Right. You, you have a way of working with something, 
you know, a wild animal, but you're not going to directly engage them in kind of that mm -hmm. kind of conflict because they could be territorial. So he has this sense about stuff, right? And it's... Well, he has, he has respect for yes. this thing, yeah. right? That no right. one else is showing respect for. Right. And, you know? And, yeah, and I think, it, it, like, this respect and this understanding and, like, this... He's able to navigate it and he's looking at it and he's the one who puts it together like hey maybe this thing is not craft maybe it's a thing maybe it's an animal maybe it's what maybe what we're mm. seeing is actually an animal and it's not just like you know maybe just beaming up these horses you know to you know to be taken off to another you know probed or whatever it's eating them like i think he puts mm -hmm. that together before anybody else does he totally does but he's so, still, yeah. but his sister, I think too, is like M is, is more, it's, it's, it's the same. She's, I looked at it as very similar. Like she just had sort of a different viewpoint, but she got it really quickly, right? Like she'd been on the outside of the ranch, um, you know, and she hadn't had as much, like, it seemed like as much attention paid to her by her dad. Right. And so she, you know, is coming back to the ranch and, and trying to get, make things work. But again, she gets it really quickly. Like, Oh, if we, if we can get a picture of this thing, you know, we we got, we have Oprah money, right? It's going to be the Oprah show. Well, well, so that's the, what eventually then happens. So Jup, Jupiter decides he's going to try to do this show. Yeah. The, 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 the creature comes and eats everyone at the show. <laughs> It eats all sucks them up. Right. And then spits them out on top of the Haywood's home. So it's like raining blood and metal and whatever, which is insane. And so insane. Um, they decide then to call the creature Jean Jacket after a horse that they couldn't tame earlier in their lives. And so they finally get like someone to come and take, take a video of it and whatever and all this other stuff. And again, the moral of the story seems to be like respect this creature you know, the only reason that they stay alive throughout is they're like, don't look it in the eye, which is the black thing that looks like the bottom of the ship that's beaming people up. They're like, don't look it in right. the eye. Right. Um, it's territorial. Give it its space. Um, the best you can hope to do is kind of move the animal, but you can't like control it. Right. Like, it's like yeah. it's again, it's like working with any kind of animal. Right. Or, or whatever. Like, you know, with, even with like cows, right. Very docile kind of domesticated creatures. You don't Kick like the get shit out of you. Well, like besides you. besides that, like you don't really get like you kind of have to coax cows to do stuff. Right? You don't you don't tell a cow like, hey, you're going down that chute. You're like you designed the chute in such a way that the cow decides to go down it on its own or you know what I mean? So it's like, right. That's why I think really, again, like the the real central theme for me, at least, was again, like hubris and exploitation, right? Thinking that you could control something that you don't understand, that you have no claim over at all or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then exploitation of that thing that, you know, you can use it in a way to make money. And again, right. even like Stephen Yoon, right? His whole thing is like exploiting the, the terrible events of Gordy's home for his future career. Right. And even right. the Haywoods kind of do a little bit of that themselves, right? They're like, well, we're going to exploit this creature yeah. to make money yeah. off of it in some way or whatever. Yeah. But that's the thing. The, the end of the film is well, basically, me, go ahead, go ahead. Let me ask you this. So what did you think of the creature reveal? Cause they finally I, get 
to, you know, just to kind of get to it, they finally get a part where they're like, okay, they've, they've got the attention of the creature. Right. And then it, it starts off as a, you know, as your standard flying saucer shape, right. It's, it's the oval shape. And then it has the black hole in the bottom of it, the perfect black hole, which is what stuff was beamed up. But all of a sudden it changes shape. And I was blown away by that. Like I was like, of course, that's so amazing. It becomes like a giant jellyfish almost, yeah. but a ge- yeah. but geometric. So like the eye goes from being a circle on the bottom of the ship. It kind of like folds in on itself and becomes uh-huh. like, I think he was trying to give visions of like four dimensional, higher dimensional creatures in a three dimensional space. Right. Yeah. So like the yeah. eye, the eye is a cube within a cube, basically that is shifting constantly colored down the length of the cube eye to this right. black center. Right. That's very like classic four dimensional image in a three-dimensional space right that's like the right. image of like what a hypercube quote-unquote looks like right it's a seriously it's a, yeah it's a four-dimensional it's a it's like a if you were to say what do they call it like if you were to transpose a cube a three-dimensional space into two mm-hmm. dimensions mm-hmm. you'd end up with a cross mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so it's basically the same idea how would you get a four-dimensional hypercube to transpose into three dimensions oh, dude. and it's and it's I didn't like even catch that yeah it's like a it's a cube within a cube with all corners and axes touching simultaneously or something like that. Right. That's it's like super complex. It's super complicated. Right. It's yeah. like a very weird, yeah. but so that's what that reminded me of when the, when the eye was like that, I was like, Oh shit. And when then, it's, yeah, it's when it's blinking when it's going like that. Oh, exactly. When it's like, yeah, that green, the green eye is the same green background as the film that they showed the jockey. Oh, that's super. I didn't even catch that. Yeah. At the very beginning of the film, they, they open with the jockey and then it becomes this 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 other thing, this, you know, this cube within so a cube, which you don't really you don't really know what that is yet. But it is the jockey is on the same background. And actually, I wouldn't be surprised if the 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 shifting the black color mm-hmm. didn't also hit the um the same time signature time as, the, as the movement. Yeah, I bet it did. It's so interesting. That would yeah. be fascinating to figure out because, man, that was when that thing unfurled. It was like it looked like the man of war. Jellyfish. Yeah, it looks like a giant jellyfish. Yeah, it's super interesting. And it was like, but it was super scary. Like to me, I, I was terrifying in some ways because it's like you just don't know what the hell that thing is or how it's how it's functioning or like. Yeah. And it but or how it's well, still it's, seen. It's like. It's like those descriptions of angels, right? Like the, you know, it cube is. or the, the, cir- the circle within a circle within a circle of eyes or whatever, right? Like this weird, yeah. It like It is. So yeah. they, they hit on that and then they, they there was a, a lot from anime, right? I know that she did the Akira. Um, like they, they had oh, some with the Akira with the motorcycle. She, there was some. Oh yeah. She does exact, the Akira slide. She yeah. She the does Akira the Akira slide, slide to look was, at the, yeah. It's so funny. If, again, if like, if these are your frames of reference, popular culture, you know, that's exactly where they got that from. And the alien people were saying was also from another, I can't, uh, Evangelon. What is that? Is that, I think it's from Evangelon this is the angel from Evangelon. Oh, Evangelion. Yes. Yeah, Evangelion, rather. Um, yeah, sorry. Yes. No, no, no. It's That's interesting. I didn't even... I, I mean, and it's just, that. again, like, 
to me, it's like on a pure. Oh, because Evangelion has the like scary angels that are like the giants. Yep. Yep. That's super interesting. Oh, that's so weird. I didn't even put that together. Yeah, it's so cool. It's the one thing. It's like, again, if you're if you're like a, a pop culture geek. Right. You see all these things and you don't like in the moment, you might not recognize what they are. But like later on that day, I was like, oh, that was what that all that was what that was from. You know, but as soon as I saw that, as soon as I saw the um, jean jacket all unfurled, I'm like, oh, my God, they they just went with a which is, of course, that's what an alien would look like to me. Like, you know, they earlier they rip on um, they rip on sort of the, the more classic version of this is what an alien looks like, which is the little dude, you know, with the big eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? At the, uh, yeah. And well, so they you kind know, of, they kind of cap on that, which I think is pretty funny, you know, well, I, but it's like when you see something that is that alien, that's like that's my guess is like if there is something out there like it, it's going to be more like that than anything else. Well, so the thing the thing I thought about that I thought was so funny was they have this like cinematographer, this like this guy that's like, you know, shooting things of animals, eating people or whatever. Yeah. They yeah. hint a lot that it's an animal before they reveal that like, Oh shit, this is yeah. an animal. Yeah. The th- the, one of the things that guy says is they're eating dinner before they're going to do the thing. Mm-hmm. And he, he says it was a one eyed, one armed flying purple, purple people. people eater. Eater. And I, I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> Because I remember when I was a kid, there was a um, like a kid, like a uh, not a movie, because there is a movie about it, too. Mm-hmm. But like there was a there was a VHS of like kid songs. Yep. Right. That's horrifying. And yeah, maybe it was maybe it was kid songs. Yeah, maybe I mean, or, or from the 60s or whatever. It's like the monster mash in that one always. Right. And well, yeah. And they and they showed it flying and doing the like, you know, doing the thing that it does in the movie where it's just the eye above them flying. Yep. Right. Yep. And it's like, oh, shit. That. Yeah. That sounds <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? Like that makes more perfect sense to me. I want to go back now and see about that black. And if it is in the same time as the original, as the film, as the, as that first film, I wonder if they did that. Yeah. That, that design, I mean, that design was just off the charts. So here's a question for you. Besides the alien, like a, and being a creature at the end, and here's total spo- spoiler ter- territory. Is OJ alive or dead? I think. OJ at the end is alive. Okay. Why do you think that? Just, I mean, just because they show him and he's on horseback? I think they show him on horseback, right? Mm-hmm. And I think they mm-hmm. also go out of their way to show he is the only person that him, Angel, and M are the only three people that seem to actively respect this thing. Mm-hmm. Even the filmmaker guy ends up getting killed because he's yep. like, I need the perfect shot or whatever. And it's like, all right, what do you got to do? <laughs> well, I think they alluded character. pretty heavily that he had cancer, but he was dying anyways. Something like that. Yeah. 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 But so, you know, it was, yeah. um, I think it was like, I think it would, it makes more sense if he lives at the end. Really. See, right? I, I don't think, I think he was dead. And what she was seeing was kind of what she wanted to see. But again, it kind of fits back to the idea of the Western cowboy. Right. Yeah. He's still he's in the distance. It's a little it's a little grainy. Right. And he's on his horse. 
And I well, think he know, gives you the eye, you know, the eye, the eye symbol, or just he doesn't do anything. He doesn't move. To me, mm-hmm. I think that he's that he was killed. Well, you know, yeah, that's another point. They mm-hmm. he mentions OJ mentions to his sister when she's like, "Well, what did you see?" When he first says it, he's like, "What is is there a word for a bad miracle?" Yeah, right. Yeah. And when yeah. Jupe is looking at Gordy killing the people. The bad miracle he sees is the shoe standing on its end. Yep. Right? Yep. And maybe for her, the bad miracle she sees is him on the horse, but he's actually dead. Because actually, that's what happens to OJ when he sees his dad at first. Yep. Is the dad is still just is still just sitting there on the horse looking normal. Right. Right. Yep. So, yeah, you know, you might be right, Marie. I'm thinking, I mean, it's it's worth a rewatch. It's worth thinking about, right? Definitely I mean, worth a rewatch. It's, yeah. it, to me, again, like, it is a awesome, it's an awesome film. And w- so what did, what did, as, as a, as my de facto defunct now conduit to the UFO community, I'm sorry, the UAP community. <sighs> Thank you, Marie. What, Thank you. what do you think they thought about this? Oh, I don't think a single one of them watched it. Really? Are you kidding me? No, some of them did. Ryan Sprague reached out. He's I don't really consider that's the thing, right? Well, Anyone, he's, he's legit. He's more legit. Any, did he any, like it? He liked it a lot. Yeah. Anybody who is worth listening to about UFO stuff, I don't consider to be part of the UFO community. That's true. I consider that's that true. to be people like, you know, Eric Davis and Lou Elizondo and Chris Mellon and all those yakos, right? Like yeah. um, commentators or whatever. Like, I don't really consider them to be part of that same crowd, I guess. Mm-hmm. I would be surprised if um, I guess they probably did watch it. I think. I really think this again, I love the idea of like hubris in the mm-hmm. face of the amazing mm-hmm. being something that like karmically. Goes against you. Right. You know, yeah. your analogy like, with the uh, with the Skinwalker Ranch is. Yeah. Is, like is it's 100% God, perfect. God shows himself to Moses on the mountaintop. Right. And Moses is like, chill there for a little bit. I'm going to go get the tribe and we're going to turn this into a one hell of a show. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like that. That is like, again, the it's exploitation of something that you should have. If not yeah. reverence for at least respect for, you know, Yeah, you should learn so, about learning that lesson. I think you're right. It is. Like, yeah. And all, all of this, learn it. all of his movies have kind of a fairy tale feel to them where there mm-hmm. is a lesson, I think, embedded in them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's what I love about him and horror too. Right. Yeah. It's like, I feel like by the time you're done watching his first horror with get out, it's, it is, it's a terrifying movie and it's a, a even more brutal racial commentary but you get that hits all the perfect notes especially with the ending and you don't that's the beautiful thing about horror movies i think science fiction in general is you it's going to you end up getting a lesson from it without knowing what knowing that it's being taught if it's really good yeah no absolutely and i think and i think i think too that's one of the things that's so interesting right like the best horror i think does have yeah aspects of like not moral not moralizing but fairy tale like lessons embedded in them you know what i mean like just like you know like the saw movies are just sort of like gore and horror for horror's sake and that's that's fun and like cool and whatever right but like 
you give me like a Friday the 13th where like, you know, you shouldn't have pushed that kid in the ocean or the, the lake rather. Right. Um, right. Or that, that to me, yeah. hits better. You know yeah. what I mean? Really a hellraiser where it's like, shouldn't have fucked with the, the thing you didn't understand. Right. That to me, like, I don't know. It just viscerally hits better. Well, it's, you know? it's, it's the difference. And I think we've talked about between horror and terror. Right. Yes. I think horror is <laughs> yes. like is like the porn, cult, you know, is 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 the is body terror and sort of the Cronenberg shit and the saw, you know, and it's like, uh, you know, uh, which is or torture porn. Right. Which is great. But like I think movies that are terrifying reach you on a different psychological level. Like, you know, we did we talked about hereditary, which to me is I like still can't watch like it just is horrifying. And it's about like your parents and like are you going to become your parents kind of thing i know? watch that movie i watch that movie literally like every three months marie it's like one of my favorite horror movies of all time it is and it's because so it, again it is just so it's just so yeah. right just so well done um and so stuff like that to me and and this is like one of them as well is like it was it's 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 funny it has humor but it's like by the time you're done watching it you're like oh man like you there is something you take away with it that is still kind of um just claws at the back of your head and to me that's what terror is that's that's a good it's a good instinct right it's still triggering your fight or flight response like you're still responding to it and you're not just like oh that was fun and then you forget about it yeah it is it is funny though too like because it's funny i was having this discussion with a friend of mine Mm -hmm. minkus is what his nickname is (laughs) we're playing rocket league and talking about this movie and he was like, he kind of was like, when he first saw it, he was like, I didn't really get it at first. He was like, <laughs> I, I kept looking for like a lot, like a much deeper meaning to it. He was like, and then when I was like, you know what? This is just like a really good monster movie. He was like, I, I got it. And I, and I liked it a lot better, you know? And like, of course, we yeah. talked about we talked about like deeper meanings and whatever. But it's but really, I think at the end of the day, it kind of is just like a classic monster movie where it's like, it's good. You see the monster, you are, you are, um, you show hubris in the face of this monster, this creature mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, you get King Kong, you try to control King Kong and then That's smart. That's stuff smart. goes bad, right? Like it is bad. really like a classic yeah. monster movie kind of yeah. thing. It's well, so it's, good. Yeah. It's also like Jaws, yeah. right? Like they don't show. Yes. They, they that don't was his it. other point. He was like, he was like, it's Jaws. It's yeah. Jaws. It's Jaws. It's Jaws, see but it, scarier because. Yeah. But man, when they show it, you're like, oh, shit, get out of there. Em. You know, the thing about Jaws, though, too, is like we shouldn't be in the water anyways, as we humans, like most we of the time. Be. So, we like, that's be. not that scary. Just stay out of the water. Well, it's like it's my whole take on Australia still. Right. Stay out of Australia. Australia. Just what the hell? Of course, it's going to kill you. Of course, it's, it's going to kill you, man. The other day, the other day, Katie and I were talking about places we want to go, you know, um, and I was like, I'd love to go to Australia. And she was like, why? Spiders. And I was like, come on. Not just, not just spiders. I mean, snails. I mean, giant birds. That's awesome. I mean, come on, I man. See like, that there's stuff. nothing. There's nothing in Australia that wants to see you live. And then she showed me a TikTok where it's like this lady's at, a, at her office and she's like, you know, she's like, oh, I got a little friend today. And she moves the thing back, and it's this like foot long fucking spider thing. I mean, yeah, the huntsman, like, the giant huntsman. Yeah, what the fuck? and she's like, she's like, just gonna keep an eye on him while I'm working. And Katie was like, get out of the house, burn it down. I know. What, you what know? Do you do? Quit the job. Like, what the hell? Yeah, is that? what are you doing? Run, oh my run. God. All right, D. All right. Anyway, so if you haven't watched it, dear listeners, please watch it. So watch good. It. Excellent. 
So good. All right, Marie. Well, good times to your listeners. Thanks for listening to this fun uh, bonus e episode of the Mad Scientist podcast. We'll be back next week with a full episode. Thank you again, dear listeners, for listening to the Mad Scientist podcast. I have been your host, Chris Cogswell, joined by my co-host, Marie Mayhew. If you'd like to contact the show, please send us an email at themadscientistpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter at Mad Scientist Pod or at Team Giant Squid for Marie. And of course, you can see us on Facebook, on Instagram, and all over the internet as the Mad Scientist Podcast. And again, our logo is the one with the pumpkin head, so it's easy to see. Mm-hmm. If you've enjoyed the show tonight, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where the money that you give to us will help us to promote this show further, to make it better, and just to spend more time making it. Because we love doing that. We do love doing that. Our logo was designed by Carrie Shaheen. Our web design is done by Desdemona Howard. Woo-hoo. And our sound design is done by Jake Cardinal. Thanks again for listening. <laughs> Thank you. This has been a damn it chippy production. Welcome to Anthology of Heroes, the podcast that explores the most pivotal moments of history through the eyes of those who lived it. In this podcast, we don't spend our time recounting facts and dates. Instead, we follow in the footsteps of national heroes, kings, or ordinary people who lived and breathed the moments that shaped our world. We're not hemmed in by eras, borders, or religions. Instead, we seek out the tales of those who defied the odds and fought passionately for their beliefs. Whether they're right or wrong is up to you to decide. From Vercingetorix's doomed rebellion against Rome, to Osceola's unshakable war against the USA, all the way up to the inspiring Sobibor concentration camp uprising in World War II, Each episode is an immersive listening experience, blending music and sound effects to really draw you into the story. Our episodes go for about 45 minutes, making them perfect for your commute, and are crafted using a wealth of historical sources, which I list on our website if you want to learn more. I'm the host, Elliot Gates, and I'm thrilled to have you joining me as we uncover history's hidden gems and illuminate the faded pages of our past. Look out for the Anthology of Heroes podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from.